Most of the dance suites were uh, French. We're saying it wrong. You just kind of cough out the we last vowel. Like, we somehow pronounced a word in harmony because we both like <laughs> did something different, but it worked together. My, I... Conversations. Going down the line, we have Adam. Hey, I was, <laughs> I was drinking right as you said that. That's not fair. Hey, everybody, I'm here. We have Livy. Hello. And I'm Seth. Who is more prepared than I was. <laughs> but, so that's only funny because this is the first time that I've like actually read a script while I was doing something. So I wasn't that's looking true. at you. I'm the only one who wasn't <laughs> prepared this time. Uh, <clears throat> We had some heavy-hitting episodes recently with topics, isotopies, and microtonal music, so today we thought we would venture into the lighter side of musical talks and discuss classical music and rap. Before we get started on that, Adam, Levy, how are your weeks? Um, mine was pretty good. Yeah. I worked a lot this weekend. I forgot we had a test tomorrow. Um, how did you forget that? I don't know. I went to go see a movie on my day off. I went home and watched another movie, and then I went to work for nine hours the next day, and when I got home, you guys had been texting about the homework, and I realized that I had to do it. Let's clarify. Not the answers to the homework. We were not cheating, Dr. Rust. We would never. (laughs) We were actually discussing where each other were going to be since we like working in the office, and we didn't all want to go to the office. Yeah. Right. Which dibs on that right after this. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I already finished. Yeah, I spent um, my day there. So. It's, it's like hours of work put into that graph. Well, that's what I'm looking forward it was, to. <laughs> it was like yesterday, because there was the reduction part, which took a little bit in it to figure out what By was By the way, going this on. is the homework for our Shankarian analysis class. So some of you guys <laughs> might know what that is. But yeah, but then it was go watch some football, drink a little beer come back do some tests go have another beer <laughs> and it was just that cycle until i got done yeah i don't i don't think i can swing that one i'm just gonna hey, i'm no. gonna go pick up some coffee from t-bones and just sit in the office until that I was can't. my process yeah there we go i went i went to two t-bones earlier uh-huh. i mean i had breakfast and i didn't have lunch and i was like you know what i should probably eat something else before the day is over although at the in-laws, they always feed me well. And mm-hmm. so yeah. it was like five pancakes, some deer sausage for breakfast, some bacon, and like mm-hmm. four fried eggs. I want someone well, to cook it. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had hummus for dinner. It's mostly because I'm lazy. Was but... it the spicy avocado? Of course hummus. it was. Well, I just didn't want to make sure that you were eating some like unprivileged trash or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was my hummus. I went home and I got my hummus. Just, I mean, I guess for the fans out there that want to be more like you, do you want to explain your hummus more? Oh, I think every episode (laughs) should start with me talking about my new favorite food. Last week was chili, this week was hummus. It's our new opening segment. Well, I guess... Yeah, everybody, I got hummus, it's spicy, it's avocado, and it's the best. Only one of the Walmarts in town sells it. I'm not telling Seth and Libby which one it is, because once they sold out and I couldn't get it for like a month and a half, it was awful. Anyway, it's wonderful. You put it on those like pretzel chips, crisps, things. You scoop that up. Mmm, yum yum. <laughs> Can we start the episode with mmm, yum yum? 
<laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, Adam, you want to get into more what you originally wanted to talk about before I cut yes. you off? Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I like rap music. That was basically as far as I'd gotten. Um, <laughs> there are a couple rap songs that I like. Um, that I noticed sample classical music. And so since I am a music theorist and I study music at like the university level, um, I really do like classical music and I also like rap music. So the fact that certain people have brought these together for like to make one thing, I think is really cool. And so I wanted to talk about some examples of classical music used in rap samples that I discovered. Um, this is not an exhaustive list at all. In fact, I barely scratched the surface. This was just with some quick research. I found the ones that I thought were most interesting and best represented my points, which I think is how research works. So I found um, three categories of types of sampling that rap music will do for classical music. Um, a thematic connection to the material, where the sample controls the flow of the rap music and a third one that's just because it sounds cool. And I'm going to break all <laughs> this down and give you guys an example of it. All right, But the first one is thematic connection to the material. This is the one that I think is the most interesting. I feel like I don't even know what that means. Well, I mean, like, I don't, I can't imagine one of those, even yeah. though I'm sure you've played me one. I can't. Yeah. So sampling originally just started as a way, well, Rap music started way back at this party, and they had guys dancing, and they would only dance during the breaks, which is the part where all the instruments and voices would drop out, except for the drums and bass. People would dance to it. Some guys started spinning classic like soul and funk records in the breaks, but they'd buy two records and put them both on the turntable and spin it so that one break would play, and then when the other one, when it finished, they'd switch the turntable to the second LP of the same thing and keep the break going on and on and on. That's why we have break dancers and all that. Let me interject here real quick. Yeah. If you're interested in that, I'm going to throw back this recommendation for the third time. The Mogul Podcast oh, is for man. you. Which uh, I guarantee Adam still hasn't listened to. Nope, I have yeah, not. I got this from Hip Hop Evolution, which is a great documentary on Netflix. There you go. So watch that. Listen to that podcast if you're interested in the history of hip hop. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You can so sampling <laughs> started just as using, uh, especially in the black community in the, in the Bronx in New York in the 70s when rap got started, um, using their old funk and soul records um, to create these beats for them to dance to. Well, then people, guys started rapping on top of it, and it just became traditional to use these beats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But as it developed, as all art forms do, they started finding deeper and cooler ways to use those samples. And so I didn't... I forgot to come up with examples of this outside <laughs> of the classical music one. But the best use of a sample is when it is in some way thematically connected to the lyrics of the song, or ironic in the same way. Whether you take a sample that is advocating or talking about something that's exactly the opposite of what the lyrics mean, or something that goes along with it. Oh, uh, off the top of my head, Kanye West's song Blood on the Leaves has a sample from Strange Fruit, which... Oh, yeah. Who sings that? that? There's a few... No. Billie Holiday, yep. I believe. Yeah. Yep. Strange Fruit by um, Billie Holiday, which the Strange Fruit, spoiler alert, is hanged black people. But Kanye West in uh, Blood on the Leaves talks about modern racism. And so he takes like this this old song from the 50s, the 50s yeah. talking about a thing that was happening like 100 years before that. And he manages to combine all of those time periods to talk about like racism in the history of America. So that's like an example of non-classical um, use of thematic sampling there. So I have a question. Yeah. Is 
I guess for rap music, would that be a topic? What do you mean? Like, the well, Matic Connection would be a topic, or yeah. soul and funk? No, thematic connection, so... I suppose so. I guess because the way I think of topics is there's, you know, a collection of something, whether it's a style or, you know, other events, but basically that's that grouping makes you think of a certain cultural value, and so, like what you were saying... Of, well, in that way, then definitely soul and funk sampling could be considered a topic because it's a bundle yeah, of true. collection of cultural values. Yeah, but I guess the use of, um, was it Spoiled Fruits? Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit. The the use of that in his album, it seems like that's there's a topic there that's kind of creating the irony. Mm-hmm. I guess is that f- listeners should recognize that as the topic and say, oh, this is supposed to mean Yeah, this. I got what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it does. Um, when you pick a really good thematic sample for your rap song. Now again, probably upwards of 80% of the time, it's just because it sounds cool. Or especially guys, producers who do a lot of sampling, like, like that are looking for cool beats, are just trying to find things that people have never used before. And so a lot of those thematic songs have songs that people recognize and know about because mm-hmm. that helps it excuse me, to be more thematic and connected. Uh, but so much of sampling also comes from another place of unknown and forgotten funk and soul records and jazz and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so as far as classical music goes, um, the first one that I want to talk about is a song called 1597 by a rap group called Atmosphere. And it samples the finale from the Eroica Symphony uh, by Beethoven, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So I'm going to play it for you guys. Henceforth, step within my psychoanalysis. Calluses upon my mind make me strain for my lines. Out I ripped it, squeezed the brain, it made some liquid. Drained it in the cup and then I sipped it. Atmosphere, the mic let me clutch it. Thoughts take flight, so fit the slug in your pipe and take a puff, kid. Like I said, that was 1597 by a group called Atmosphere. That was featured. That's the opening track of their very first album, um, which came out sometime in the late 90s. And so the Eroica Symphony is also the beginning of Beethoven's heroic period when a lot of his pieces had large themes and epic lengths and all that good stuff. Yes. And so what I think the connection between the Eroica Symphony and 1597 is using a heroic theme, especially the parts that they use has a lot of like growing anticipation mm-hmm. um, and using it as a sample on the first track of their first album is establishing them as like the heroes of hip hop which is a common thing for rappers to call themselves. Um, especially in that era, they thought that things were getting too commercial. And mm-hmm. so a lot of these underground guys were starting to like puff themselves up as like the heroes to bring real rap back, which is still happening today, for sure. Um, but I just know of a collection of guys in the 90s that were doing it. Um, and it's got lyrics like, shoot a marble in a verbal slingshot, um, which makes you think of a D- David and Goliath sort of thing, which is another heroic story. Um, cause I can read an MC from front to back, from the cover to the classified. I've pacified my mind with rhyme skills. I climb hills and leap foolish twitch with a single bound, which by the way, the rhymes in there. Oh, so choice. <laughs> anyway, so that one, I think there's a connection between the heroic theme of the Eroica symphony 
from from the last from the finale and the last movement and the heroic themes of what they're making themselves out to be as their place in the rap game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So I thought that one was really cool. Uh, the second one, uh, I'm very excited to talk about. <laughs> um, could yeah. I add on yeah, to go that for one? It, please. So Libby, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I just I think it was a good choice specifically where they pick just because of anticipation and other things of how um, Beethoven's music naturally is building and it kind of helps set the mood of, all right, you know, we want something with more energy to start the song. Nothing Nothing against Beethoven, but if you started a rap song with, Bum 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 ba da da. It would be a little less interesting. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I was gonna say I'm pretty sure when most people listen to the Roca, if you don't know that's the theme, you don't think like, oh, that was it. What a thing. You're like, what are those strings doing there? They're doing something else. So I just, you know, I think. I think that was a clever musical choice, you know, whether it was the rappers themselves or a producer, you know, just, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, good musical choice overall. Here's the thing. I can't find anywhere that that's where they said that's why we use that sample, but I'm at least making the case that the lyrics and the music go together in a thematic way, so. Yeah, but I guess, I guess, like, my point is, like, Regardless of who made the decision or mm-hmm. what the decision was for, I would still say that, you know, it's worthwhile that it was from the final movement and a specific section that was building anticipation and, you know, an energy yeah. instead of something and that was... And the first song on your first full album is a big deal. Yeah. I think they had some EPs and maybe a single or two before this, but first song on first album is a big deal. You got to come out strong on that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, an important thing to talk about, especially with whether it's pop music or rock or rap, you know, is that it's a series of musical decisions that, you know, make something more enjoyable or less enjoyable or, you know, and so Mm -hmm. regardless of who made those decisions, which I think is getting harder and harder, wouldn't you all agree? You know, because like with Brahms, it was like, yeah, this is Brahms. I still see his sloppy handwriting because he just wrote this before we play. You know, it's like pretty clear who did it. But yeah, now sure. with so many people collaborating, it's still, you know, it's, yeah. was that a good musical decision? And I think this was. Yep. Yeah. So the second thematic one that I picked out is by a rapper named Cool Keith, but he is not rapping under his own name for this track. He is rapping... And, okay, this is, a, this is a little bit off the rails, but we're going to get through it together. The Cool Keith character comes from an album called Dr. Octagon Ecologist. It introduces the character of Dr. Octodon, who is a homicidal, extraterrestrial, time-traveling gynecologist and surgeon. Um, to be frank, it's just real gross. I haven't listened to it, but the Wikipedia page is a little gross. Um, it, actually, it actually says that Dr. Octagon was killed off by another cool Keith character, um, <laughs> which is some craziness going on there. Um, but I really dig that. Another one of my favorite rappers, MF Doom, has tons and tons of persona, and occasionally he'll have his other personas rap on his tracks, like his featured guests. <laughs> it's awesome. So did they just look at Garth Brooks and go like, 
I want to do that. Does Garth Brooks do that? Yeah. What's his What's his other persona? I had Tim no McGraw. idea that. No, <laughs> Jason Aldean. I had no idea that Garth Brett Brooks Wilkins. had other personas. Yeah, he like has children. <laughs> Those are his persona because you're throwing out very different age groups here. I had no idea that I that was a thing. I don't like country music. Country so is wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with all this. Yeah. Um, Chris Gaines is um, a fictional rock star persona created as an alter ego for Garth Brooks. I'm looking at pictures. Interesting. I did not know. Oh, look at this oh my goodness. Everybody. All okay, right, that's got to go on the website. I have to share that with the world. Um, wow, I really thought that sort of thing, that sort of drama and like stage drama and posturing only happen like rock and and rap music that's awesome well and there's also like uh do you know eric church nope okay he's another country singer but do you know his spanish persona enrique iglesias no you liar they're the same people no but my brother tried to convince me of that one day (laughs) (laughs) i was so concerned you savage (laughs) (laughs) mongrel oh okay boy i'm really glad that's not a thing (laughs) all right getting back to dr octagon i really don't all right i picked this sample because it's a very very clear example and because um the sample that he uses is something that i love dearly um that being said weird dude i don't really want to get into the rest (laughs) of the album but here it goes Blue Flowers by Octagon. Blue Flowers by Dr. Octagon. Paramedic fetus of the east with priests I'm from the church of the operating room With the strikes of force, scalpel since the holocaust I do indeed in greed, explore, meet the patients Back the rooms with the nurse with the voodoo curse Holding up office lights, standing at huge heights Back and forth, left wing, swing to north East and south with blood pouring down your mouth I can prepare with the white suit and stethoscope Listen to your heartbeat, delete, beep, beep, beep Your insurance a plus. So maybe some of our more discerning listeners will recognize that as one of the themes in Bartok's second violin concerto, the first movement. Um, I feel like this song is lyrically, no, sorry, thematically connected to the sample. Livy got me all messed up because in the break she was talking about the lyrics. I believe this song is thematically connected because it is the second violin concerto theme is one of the few things that Bartok composed using a 12-tone theme. Um, he didn't do it for the entirety of the concerto. He just did it in that one movement. Well, the third one uses a variation on the theme. Um, he wasn't a 12-tone composer, but occasionally he did dabble, and this is one of the pieces that he dabbled in. He composed a theme using a 12-tone row. I think it's thematically connected because Dr. Octagon is supposed to be extremely disturbing and like very unsettling. Because of, like, you know, the homicidal, extraterrestrial, time-traveling, gynecologist, and surgeon bits. Um, And I think that in the same way the 12-tone 
sets up and establishes the mood and the theme because of how highly dissonant it is. So this one's kind of in the category of it sounds cool, but it's like it sounds the way they want it to sound. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I guess so. This one, maybe it wasn't. I just thought the, the, the dissonance and the uneasiness of the sample that he chose went along really well with the character. I agree. I think the sound went along with like what whenever he came in like the sounds went together uh but like it's very possible that no one knew that that was a 12 tone yeah piece. you're right and it's I guess very possible that like bartok yeah. didn't usually write that so it's kind of like in between the two it's like you can find that meaning but i guess in the sample does he make it through he doesn't make it through the 12 tone. I think he cuts off somewhere before it ends. Yeah. I don't think there's 12 notes in there. It's just a, one little fragment just repeating over and over again. Yeah, well, I guess... the joy of sampling. Mm-hmm. That would... That may add to why it doesn't sound maybe as dissonant right. as some 12 tone things do sound. Yeah, because and Bartok, because he wasn't a huge fan of 12 tone music, he wasn't going out of his way to write the most dissonant one. He was yeah. writing one that worked for the concerto, but... Yeah. Just to prove that you could make something melodic in 12-tone. I think I've read as part of what he was going for there. Yeah. To me, I think this... Maybe this one more than the last, but this sounds like a topical decision, is that... You know, like you're saying, is that... Someone believes that listening to this, you'll have a certain vision or certain cultural values set up Mm -hmm. that you'll understand it a certain way, and that's making you more prepared for the character persona that he's going after. I didn't realize this was going to tie so much into topics, but that's really cool. I remember that being a topic I was disappointed in when I took my um, analysis of atonal music, Um, because just listening to all the 20th century music and the atonal music, it just all felt very unsettling and, like, dissonant and bad and it just felt creepy and I just kept imagining like creepy movies like ah this sounds Mm -hmm. like something from a creepy movie it's not though those composers didn't intend for all of their atonal pieces to be from a creepy movie I mean Schoenberg's Pierre Lunaire or whatever is pretty creepy yeah Um, there was intent behind that (laughs) one yeah there's no getting around some of those but not all atonal pieces are designed to to be a spook fest like before a jump scare or something Mm -hmm. Um, and just I think that's a cultural value we assign to dissonant yeah. strings, which well, was a, frustrating. Especially, you know, movies have become popular, you know, and possible during this past century. So it, I think it's made cultural values that much more accessible for us. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, because, like, you just saw a movie this weekend, you know, if you heard music from that, you would you could instantly recognize like, oh yeah, this happened from you know. Yeah. But somebody thousands of miles away could watch the same movie at the same time. You know, you don't have to wait for oh the Beethoven Symphony has come to town this week. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you know I think that just ma- it makes it easier for topics and things like that to arise in today's culture. Yeah. That reminds me, I went to uh, the Louisiana Philharmonic kind of performance my grandparents invited me to go to, mm-hmm. and I went with them, and uh, they played a combination of things. They did like a, two things at the beginning, and then an intermission, and then a third thing. The third thing was Beethoven's Fifth, and so 
I love the third and fourth movements. Yeah, big heavy hitter, very popular. <laughs> the opening two, not very popular. They were uh, some new repeat, like written in the last five years maybe. Uh, the first one was like a concerto for nine wind instruments, which was really cool and unique. And another one was I f- wish I could remember the name of it. It was something. It was some type of piece, and it was titled something about the ocean. But it was about the the scope of the ocean and the hidden emotions and like power underneath it was kind of what it was going for and it was this really unique string piece that had like some unusual techniques like bouncing the bow on the the violin Mm -hmm. strings and all that stuff really wonderful the composer was there uh, so they performed it and then he walked out on stage with the inductor it was wonderful during that little intermission in between the two newer pieces and Beethoven's fifth there were so many old people there so many old people there and one of the old ladies who was there says, Ugh, I didn't come for this garbage. You know I just came for the fifth. <laughs> oh, man. Come on, lady. These two are the ones that are interesting. So, so um, that being said, and let it be known that Beethoven's fifth is quite enjoyable compared no, to other things. I'm no, just I'm saying, not saying like, well, I love the I love the fifth. Well, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. I was... As someone who leans a little more 20th century in my tastes, I really enjoyed the other two pieces, and it was just fun to hear something new. Yeah. No, and and I'm an advocate of new music. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, why not? You know, uh, one of our professors in one of the classes that I took last year, he talked about, why are we replaying the same stuff? We've already heard it. Mm-hmm. Why not play new stuff? Yeah. We have new composers coming up with new stuff all the time. Why not actually play it, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of times it's like, it'll get premiered, and then it'll just get thrown away. It's like, all right, we already premiered it. Why play it again? And, and it didn't just... bother me so much that she didn't like it, because I hear music I don't like all the time. But she yeah. specifically referred to it as, I didn't come for this garbage. And later she called it <laughs> trash to somebody else. And she was like just making her way around the room, promising everyone, I don't like this. I'm just here for Beethoven. Don't think less of me. It's all for the Beethoven. Yeah. I love but, that. And <laughs> I think the other thing that I kind of find funny is, and I guess this circles back to what I was talking about earlier with like an album party or some other thing that works, is that our generation doesn't do that. We do that because we're music majors and mm-hmm. there's sort of like a compelling like, I guess I should go to that. Yeah. You know, and most of the time it's, I guess it's a little more personal for me. It's like, no, there's good music. You know, I'm a musician. I want to support that because I want people to support me and things like that. But there's also, like, outside of that, it's a bunch of old people. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) and a lot of them have the opinion that you have of, you know, this isn't what I, I came here to listen to Brahms and Beethoven and Mozart and, you know, play me the hits. And then, you know, once we get through it, let's do it all again. But, you know, it's just... My grandmother does a better job of, like, trying... It may not always be what she wants to experience, but she at least understands, like, no, I should be open to some newer things. You know, and she tries to go and experience. And sometimes she likes it. Sometimes she doesn't like it, but... I think it was the end of their season, so I think... Yeah. Like, Beethoven's fifth going out with a bang. Like, I got no issue with that. It's fine. It'll be like the thousandth time it's been played by that orchestra, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, we have we've tarried from the path, but that's okay. 
Okay, so that was the category that I referred to and said that it was thematically connected, and we discussed a little bit whether mm-hmm. that last one really was thematically connected, but I still say it something. will, just because I want to be right. Um, the second set that I have are pieces where the sample drives the flow of the song. And actually, like the, these. yeah, the these two cool. songs that I'm about to show you are the ones that actually made me think of this whole project. Um, because the, the, the ones that I first heard. So this first one is called Imaginary Places. It is by a rapper named Bus Driver, which you guys should look him up because Bus Driver is just wonderful. But here we go. I'm just here to hold your hand when you die and to show you around imaginary places. Put the money lumps in my bloody stump and it will have a smile in the perfect circle. Die in your sleep with a sky at your feet. I'll treat you when you're happy on it and you will find peace. How did you do it? I don't know. I'm okay. Every person I know is a secret story agent because I'm accused of lewd conduct. Stole the heart to rape her prom side. Okay, that was again Imaginary Places by Bus Driver. It samples Box Suite Number Two in B Minor, the Bedinery. I'm just gonna go ahead and play the next one. Yeah. It's another Bus Driver song. It's called Me Time. The pinnacle of a beige, pinnacle of cake, all up in the ruined GOP motorcades. For these senseless scenes, for sensor scenes, I earn a soldier's wage. So I broke your leg, Peter rolled the blades, cause I came in at the OG, was overpaid. Going putting at 16, at Brent and Dean, horsing through the bolster aids. I never want to brush any economic crunch. If an answer is received in a bomb and slush, and a sexist machine expressed in means to read, no rover swayed. So I got a D, more the dark matter, not the spring, but a professor who is in charge. I don't know, they all eat their of a heck of your shooting, no Vladimir Putin. While the rubber, this is a cashmere pantsuit thing. I can knife this person, so I'd be proof and become your golden egg. All that made the border ready, told us of the subsequent heavy server in the pool on the side of registry because they don't give a fuck about the funny on the troop search. It's a good point, what if you heard? Probably the idiots for news, correspondency, the desperate, and need to form a new foreign policy. They have to give the penis to the pro war, pandering the after all scumbag over Saturn rings. Regimented double talker, undercuts the president to other corporate heads, trying to render every tax cuts, and they're supposed to even just a quarter of ten souls. So the whole point of those two is just that he follows the flow perfectly. Um, the flute part in the bedinery and the, I guess the melody line in the piano piece and the rondo, he just follows those exactly. And my my favorite bit is in in the rondo when he changes octaves with that episode. Um, it's just wonderful. It's really great. He's not he's not a vocalist as you can tell on some of his other albums. He should not go for that. Um, <laughs> but just the the pitch that he can somehow put on his spoken rapping is really really great. Um, anyway, yeah, that's they're just really cool. I think it's cool that they can take the classical music and let that control the flow more than their own creativity or the flow of the vocabulary and stuff like that. I wonder. Well, those. I'm trying to think of what we just played. Those were both Bus Driver, right? Mm-hmm. For this yep. section. Have you heard any other artists that do that? Well, I'm about to play one more. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, the second one. This is a question for our listeners. I can't find the sample to this. I'm not convinced that it is a purely classical piece. I've shown it to, to Livy already. since mm-hmm. um, The instrument here, I'm pretty sure, is... Uh, 
It's a Fagotti? Is that what it is? I, I, I don't remember what <laughs> no, it's exactly. Like the, we're the contrasex? Or. Is that what? Okay, I don't remember. Uh, oh! Wait. Mm, I'll listen during our break and we'll okay. come back to this because I don't remember the what you're talking is, about. Is I, <laughs> you see, here's I mean, the funny thing. Really I think I may remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> never mind. Whether or not I already showed it to you is irrelevant. It's not. But, so, I can't place the sample for this one. Um, whosample.com, which is usually a really fantastic resource for this sort of thing, um, got nothing for me. Um, in a desperate attempt, I tried to let Siri figure it out. She just came up with a rap song. So it might be nothing. Oh, it's the Contrabassoon one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm That's convinced I, I hear Contrabassoon. Yeah. Right. But it just sounds, and especially later in the song, it kind of like adds more instruments, so it's orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like it could be from something. I just don't know. Yeah. So just take a listen to it. If you know what it is, please hit me up and let me know because I'm desperate to know. But this is Accepted Eclectic by AC Alone. Here we go. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75 ways. The days in the maze and start the craze. When they open my cocoon, it was time to bloom. Thinking like 10 people trapped in one room. Sitting in my sandbox, sand all over me, overly anxious to get the mic in hand. Now who wanna blow it up? I do know who can rip it up. Why can't I glide like the ride of a man on the snowboard? When they pick up the microphone, I ask him what he flow for. Various degrees of technique that's inside of me. Never try to be something you not and don't lie to me. Ebony and ivory, keys on my piano playing. Trying to trust the music, but the rhythm push your hand away. Easy as the alphabet, hard as sunrise, pure as the drip of snow pissing on your block. Rock my territory, then I'm right back in the wind. Laughing with the tears of a clown when I grin. I'm manic, depressing every since I was an adolescent. But I never panic in a session when I'm busting. Cussing like a sailor with a bottle full of Jägermeister. Ready for whatever this world has to offer me. First of all, get off of me and never ever test me. I'm one with the universe, the energy has blessed me. But you wonder why you got flaws in your yeah, I guess, I don't know, it seemed, it sounds more single read to me than double read. Yeah. Especially when it went higher. I think that, well, I hear, and to me, I hear, like, the buzziness of, like, a contrabassoon in the beginning, but I think it could just be a contrabass clarinet in, like, it's super low range, so the timbre gets a little weird, and then it does blend into the, like, what, to me, sounds like a B-flat clarinet, so mm-hmm. that blend does kind of make me think it's clarinet, but... We were just saying that it sounds like it's definitely an authentic instrument and not like some computer-generated like MIDI file. Yeah, which lends more credence to it being a sample. Mm-hmm. Unless AC alone was really dedicated and got players into a, a session to do a sample. Possible, because you ha- could have had like, one guy record those I mean, that's what Kendrick did in but... Defimba Butterfly yeah. for some of those tracks, but I don't know. Anyway, I really like the track. I really love the sample. Um, it's not per- sometimes he sometimes he bends the phrases a little bit. It's not like a perfect one for one, but especially in the beginning when he's doing the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. And then in a lot of other places throughout the song, what I find is most interesting about the sample is that the sample clearly has like a phrase motive going on. Mm-hmm. And, and like a, a sentence or a period? Which one is it? It'd be period? a sentence. A sentence? I don't know. Okay, so think of sentence as, like, try, try, try again. And usually it's like 
two measures of one, two measures of five, and then you go back to one, but you like actually complete the phrase that time. Right, right, right. And so a period would be like you have two phrases more cl- clearly happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And so if it feels like it's one long mm-hmm. phrase, it's probably a sentence. Gotcha, okay. Um, but I think you could just say phrase. And yeah. So the, the musical sample kind of forms a, a, a kind of sentence, and I think it's really interesting in the parts where he sticks, especially close to the sample, that he is putting a lot of his longer words, words with uh, more syllables, in kind of like the trill section, and then resolving that lyrical line with this at the same time that the melodic line is, is resolving. And so he kind of, whether or not he's staying exactly on beat, he's building the same amount of tension and release that the melodic line is. And I think that's what's really cool about that one. There are places that he sticks with the beat exactly, or else I wouldn't be talking about it. But even more than that, he has the tension going on as well, which I just think is really great. Yeah. So. Um. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, I. I think it would be interesting to know if he was, if it was accidental, if he when he gets off from, the musical phrase a little bit. Mm-hmm. If that's intentional, and he's kind of creating like a weird hemiola between him and the phrase, and that's probably. intentional, yeah, or if it's you know just unintentional, it just happened, and then it's kind of cool, anyways. But you know, it was probably intentional because he couldn't just do that one thing the whole time. Yeah, the sample itself gets kind of repetitive around like the two minute mark. It does something; it goes into like a, almost a hook sort of thing. So it does change a little bit, but. And even as the orchestration builds, you can't just do that same thing over and over. And you definitely can't do it in the sample and in the lyrics. Yeah. Anyway, I think it was intentional when he leaves it. And then the third category, uh, it's just because it sounds cool. And I think this often comes from a place of being uninformed and just a producer showing up to a rapper with like, look, I found this piece with strings in it. Let's go. Um, my least favorite, favorite example. Okay, this one's interesting. It's cool because it has two different samples from two different composers, but it is awful. And I can't and won't play it on the podcast. Um, there's a song by Ludacris. It uses. Oh, I a- love this one. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> People are allowed to have opinions, Adam, that don't resonate with you. I hope I hope it doesn't resonate with them. He uses a bit from Mozart's Requiem Mass, and he uses a bit from the fourth uh, movement of Dvorak's Ninth Symphony, which are two really big samples, and just really cool and crazy that he used both of those in one track. The Requiem is just a little bit at the beginning, and then he goes into the symphony bit. Do they both um, use the Diaz Ray? The Day of Wrath? I can't remember now. Hold on, let me get my notes. Because that would be a thematic connection, whether or not anybody realized that that's what they're doing. Is I mean, it is just the Symphony Nine have a DS's Ray section? Because that's what it is in the Mozart. Is it the finale to the number nine? Mm-hmm. No, I I don't see anything that's. Yeah. I think that symphony's a little too um, optimistic for a DC, right? <laughs> well... I think. So there's one on Reddit... Okay, that's not necessarily as helpful as I want. <laughs> I mean, there's the... On Reddit, 
what are some classical pieces that feels like Verdi's Dies Irae? And then so we said powerful music that I really love, and Verdi's Dies Irae feels like the... And then it just cuts to, in the beginning of Dvorak's New World Symphony, fourth movement. Yeah. So, I don't know. If anyway... You, yeah, it feels like you could, if you looked at the counterpoint, you could make a case for like, eh, that's similar, but I'm not do. seeing something <laughs> where it's like, oh yeah, these are the same thing. And I feel like if they were the same thing, the first, when I just type in Dvorak Ninth Symphony DSC, right? Like it would pop up like, yeah. here it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, the whole point there is he's asserting his his royalty, like his kingship. And so I, I think he just used those two pieces because they have a big, epic feel to them. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, the Maybe other Chris one... saw that hidden meaning. He's a big fan <laughs> yeah. of Verity. The other one is a rapper that I really like named Milo. In his new album that came out this year, he has a track called... I mean, I'm going to try to pronounce it, but you'll see if you follow us on the website. Uh, it is... I, I don't know a shot. Pablum... Slash slash, Celis King three. This isn't the guy, guy that does the lowercase uppercase. No. no okay. No, no. <laughs> this guy usually does all lowercase. Um, this one samples the beginning of the Rite of Spring. Here we go. <laughs> This quilted fleece, where the wilted lease, will the power and stilted speech from cupboards that granny should have dusted, maladjusted with a malaprop. Sackism make the palate drop, palindrome of the ignoble savage bat. That was it. That was all a little taste of the right of spring that you get. I even messaged him on Facebook because he doesn't have that many followers, and it said that he usually replies to messages. Uh, apparently, he usually replies to messages, except for the one that I <laughs> sent. Um, I asked him why he used it. He didn't say anything back to me. No clue. Um, so that one obviously just sounded yeah. cool. I think it's cool because I recognize it, but I actually don't know if I think it sounds that cool with like the beat that comes no, in after I that. I love the Rite of Spring and I really like Milo. I thought it was cool. Well, I, like, I liked it. I like it because I know the Rite of Spring. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't feel like it goes together based on that I tiny like, bit I, I heard. I do. It's very subjective. I, just, yeah. I don't know. I'm not convinced on that one. As a bonus, I found the most interesting sample. Not because it fits in any of those three categories. Um, Maybe but, because no, it specifically doesn't fit in. I found a fourth category. <laughs> Before you can break the mold, you have to make a mold. <gasps> You're right. Wait, before we do that. Um, so what did you guys think of the three categories that I laid out? I thought they Thematic were... connection. Uh, I guess a rhythmic connection. And then just because it, it sounds cool. I thought they were really convincing. And um, I think specifically on the second one we did, which was flow, right? Yep. Um, I thought the Eminem one was probably the most convincing out of that group. Oh, I thought we weren't going to talk about that one. I went off the air for that, but that's fine. Either way. Oh, okay. I mean, we'll say now that 
it was some hidden footage and then you'll just put a link <laughs> on the page and it'll yeah. be fine. Someone somewhere will find it. I mean, I thought they were all convincing. I don't know. It just, that one seemed more like, especially Eminem's part is lining up right with it. Yeah, but we also decided, we also decided that one was kind of like probably a sample that somebody wrote in studio and put a string instrument on it. Because yeah. I couldn't find a sample for it doesn't sound classical the problem is is if you look up rap songs and classical samples you will get a list of everyone's favorite rap songs that have string parts in them and that's not and i talked about this on a previous episode i think when we talked about topics probably yeah we said that for the bulk of the population string instrument is a topic for classical music Mm -hmm. and so in that same way trying to figure out well where are all my rap songs and classical samples hey look here's a song with strings in it not so much. It's true. Yeah. Now the Nas song with the Furalee sample, technically, yes, is a classical sample. It's bogus though. It's a bad song and a bad sample. And who wants to hear Furalee again? So I didn't talk about that one. Well, yeah, you gave it that promo. <laughs> eh, eh, it'll get cut. It's Nas. I have to pay my dues. <laughs> I don't know why I don't like Nas. It's um, heresy. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess there is some, like, we were trying to relate to classical music, but I guess at the same time, it's, it may not necessarily be classical music specifically, but it's still a technique that they're using. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But if I were to just look up songs where the flow influenced the, I mean, the sample influenced the flow, that playlist would go on for years. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because that's part of the purpose of a sample. Yeah. And that's why you want to find unique ones and cool ones. You're right. I concede. Yeah. You win. Hey, you know. <laughs> it's always good to hear that. Um, so I wanted to give you guys a little bonus, a little bonus sample. This is the most interesting one that I found because it's got layers to it. We're about to get all Inception up in this joint. So there is a song by a rapper named Exhibit called Paparazzi. The sample that he uses is a Barbra Streisand song called Pavan? Pavain? Pavan. Pavan. Which is a cover of Pavan by Foray. We got layers there. He uses a sample that's a cover of a classical piece. (laughs) Just one step removed. It's also not a good song, but I just wanted to throw that out there. One, a rapper sampled Barbra Streisand. Also, a classical sample came from a cover. Whoa! Just out of curiosity before you play it, is this Exhibit from Pimp Pimp My Ride? Ride? Yes, it is. (laughs) Exhibit from Pimp My Ride sampled a Barbra Streisand song covering a song by composer 4A. You know, I... I may start to know why it's not a good song before we listen to it. I told you it was the most interesting. A I lot think of things sounds going like a on legend. There. That's what I think. Anyway, there's that. 
just so many layers so satisfying I'm just just gonna go ahead and say that you shouldn't mess with 4A yeah exactly yeah, yeah. 4A is not really happy about the treatment he got either <laughs> well Barbara I... Streisand somehow gave Exhibit the rights to do that 4A did not ooh <laughs> I would well I guess you know Bach and other people don't give away their rights either but yeah. I think my point would be and don't get me wrong, Foray has a specific counterpoint that he wrote and he intended to, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something about those romantic composers that, yes, there's counterpoint and there's other, but there's some other little layers that they were a little more concerned with. And I think if you go when you go back to Bach and other things, the counterpoint is so good mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter what you do to it, it's still gonna be good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like uh with the flute sample that's sped yes. up. Yeah. Like the counterpoint's so sound that speeding up or doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. But I've looked at four A songs where like Even the same s- thing with the the piano part and the rondo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's some four A songs that I've looked at where once you analyze it, the whole intent was it has to be sung this exact way. Otherwise, there's little rhythmic th- like mm-hmm. allusions and other things that you're supposed to get that if you change it at all, you don't, you know? So Yeah. Like I said, a lot of these guys not educated about classical music, not concerned about the purpose and the way of the recognizing intent. and appreciating those songs, the intent of those songs... You just gotta sample something. And that's why that last category is the one that I don't really like the most because there's not even a thematic because because when you when you let the sample control the flow, that makes the sample almost more important than the rap song itself because it is in charge. Mm-hmm. When you make a thematic connection, even if you are misusing the song not in the intent that the composer had, um you're still making a new statement with it, which is also a powerful way to use a piece of music. The guys that are just using stuff because they think it's cool, it doesn't really get that excuse, and so if they use it poorly, they've just used it poorly, and they don't gain anything from it. It is true. Which is kind of your point. Does it... Do you feel like... And I I think both of you listen probably to more rap and hip-hop than I do in general. I mean, I listen... To like Macklemore, so I don't know what you're that right. You don't listen to any hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> but anyways, um, do you feel like there's more people just, you know, like hey, this sounds cool, and just trying to find that sample or that next sound that is interesting, and they're just kind of trying to find something to hook people in, or do you think there's more thinking out like? okay, how, how can this in, influence the flow, or how could this be thematic? No, I think it's very much... I mean, are you talking radio rap, or are you talking about stuff that's coming out underground? Either, Because, I, I mean, I think it depends on which world you live in. Like, which which side of that divide you fall in. Okay. You think if... I mean, every rap song that's coming on the radio right now sounds like Migos or Future. Even if it's not Migos or Future, right? Yeah, that is, yeah. All the it's all trap, like 
trap the trap sound has gone from a genre or a subdivision of rap to like swallowing up rap almost entirely. Yeah, what's, and the triplet uh, flow of that Migos popularized but not invented. Um, that's almost taken over completely as well. Yeah, I saw something on Reddit the other day. Like it was a question of what's the most overused technique in pop music or something. Mm-hmm. And like one of the hits that came up was like using triplets yeah. <laughs> and rap music. <laughs> like I don't even mind the mumbling. Like I'm not. That's not the part I'm making fun of. It's just that I can't be bothered to come up with words for that little impression. <laughs> um, you didn't just, just say triplet, triplet, triplet. No, because I wanted to make it sound like the rappers. Fair enough. It did. It did sound like the rappers. I'm just, yeah, it's just, I don't even mind the mumbling. I don't have an issue with mumble rappers. When I want something like that, I listen to those guys. I'm not totally opposed to it. It's just a different thing. But, man, that flow over and over and over again, used by so many people. Yeah. They're not even trying to be original. Like, that just is what the popular flow is right now. Yeah. But I think... If you go a little deeper underground, there are people who are, and I get this again, goes back to our conversation about album versus playlist. I mean, a playlist is basically a collection of singles. Yeah. And an album is a statement. And so guys that are just writing off singles are using trap beats and triplet flow. Um, I don't think I asked, but for me and any of our listeners that haven't heard trap before, what do you mean by that? Uh, just in like a quick sentence or two. Up. Yeah, Coochie Mane, Fetty Wap. Yeah, I was thinking more of like and then, recent, like in the last four or five years. I feel like Fetty Wap like launched it, and then all of a sudden that was all there was. Like man, that's how I heard it at least. That doesn't. I don't know a whole lot about Fetty Wap, but that doesn't seem like the names that I've heard usually associated with trap. Camps. It comes from the South, so late '90s Southern rappers got it really going. Um, the the key thing about it is that they slow down the snare so that instead of hitting on two and four it hits on like every other one Okay. so it gives it this really laid back feel which means that you can either rap in that really fast triplet flow or you can slow it back down Okay. you can either rap within one measure or you can rap within two measure mm-hmm. which gives okay. it this really laid back flow but a lot of hi-hat a lot of deep synth lines, and then just like eight oh eight drums. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how to describe it besides that. I got you. Yeah, I mean it's a particular sound, but the key thing that makes it so interesting is the fact that they alternate instead of snare on two and four, it's like snare on. I, I can't think. I saw a video about this. What is it? I'm like every other three or something no that's not right yeah we uh we can either find a link that's a fairly concise explanation there's a vox Vox media video about Mm -hmm. how the triplet flow took over rap and it talks about trap music in there as well and that'll serve both of our purposes i was gonna say the other option is we just you know pick another 20 minutes in a future episode and go over some like hey here's what this is Mm -hmm. here's any grievances we have against it or why it became popular but it, it comes out of the southern genre and it's just really established the way a really laid back deep sound um that you can attach a couple different flows to but mm-hmm. the most triple the most popular ones are the triplet and a really laid back one mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where they're coming from and a lot of hi-hat i can't stress that enough so much <laughs> hi-hat <laughs> 
Well, when you said trap, I didn't know if it was like, we're trapping the listeners. They can't <laughs> no, escape no, those triplets. No. Yeah, I don't know where that the name comes from. I'm not, I didn't do all my research about this part. Seth? This wasn't what I came prepared to talk about. Sorry, I was getting messages on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like halfway paying attention to what you were telling me. All right. Well, that does it for me. I'm out of things to say, so. Um, I think while we're finishing up with that, um, you know, we'll do another post at some point about the three different types that you explained, and we'll give our listeners a chance to, you know, say whether they agree, whether they think there's a stronger case for one, or maybe they know some other songs that we don't and can make a better case for some yeah, of these that's what that I'd we have. I'd be most haven't. excited to see. I'd be most excited to see, um, especially, especially in that category of thematic connections. Um, if you can think of another rap song that has where the sample influences and connects or contradicts the meaning of the lyrics of the song, please hit me up with those because that's the one that's most interesting. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's talk about what our recommendations are. Um, I'll go first. I could not think of anything musical that I got from this past week. Um, Shame on you. Yeah, it's going to be rough for me because I don't, (laughs) I'm not one of those good active listeners. Um, So it all just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. But. I did think of a podcast to recommend. That seemed like the second most relevant option. Um, and if anyone enjoys like maybe audio books, but don't want to commit to an entire one, but you like kind of audio fiction, a fantastic podcast from Wondery is called Secrets, Crimes, and Audio Tape. Um, I discovered it like a year and a half ago or something, and they just put out these between probably like two and eight part uh, episode stories. Like they did, I think the one that got me hooked was when they uh, did like a full cast, I think it was full cast kind of audio performance of like The Handmaid's Tale. And that was like a super well done um, production. But if you like sort of audio fiction and listening to stories, but you don't want to commit to a full-blown audiobook or something, it's a fantastic podcast, so would recommend. Um, after you listen to hours, of course, that's something else for you to do in between weeks. Uh, Seth, what do you have? Uh, my recommendation this week was... Um, I've been playing video games, and specifically Rocket League seems mm. more and more like what I have time for, mostly because it's like a six-minute match, and it's yeah. just like, all right, it's so I great. could play, you know, <laughs> I have half an hour, I could get through five rounds, <laughs> and usually there's a sixth one in there before I realize, like, oh, man, really gotta go, uh-huh. but um, I was playing, and I play with my brothers, that's the other, like, easy way for us to get to play games together and connect, yeah. but my brother Ryan was telling me about how he turns on the spotify app on his playstation and then that'll let him listen to music Mm -hmm. while he's playing the game and for a game like rocket league i mean i talked to my brothers but like i was talking to my brother today and i was playing you know charles ives and other things in the background and usually there wasn't too big a problem of hearing the other person plus Mm -hmm. i just turned the game music down right mostly because i don't need to hear cars driving (laughs) 
I can see it happening, so that was enough visual stimulation, I guess. Um, but just in general, because, um, like, over the summer, I would... I worked at an office where the rule was no music with words. And so... Interesting. Yeah. And everybody's choice was, let's just go find the pop songs, but the instrumental version, and it bugged me. Uh-huh. Because it was like... How does and it would here's the crazy thing it was like the same twenty pop songs all day it was like That's how do you not terrible <laughs> well and with all of the actual good instrumental music out there why wouldn't you find something better so eventually when they would put me in like separate rooms so that I could just sort through filing boxes by myself for hours on end I was like mm-hmm. you know what I can listen to the Bartok string quartets and this won't bother me but or I could listen to Sibelius or I could listen to Gershwin, or, um, uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Charles Ives, um, Sonatas, he's got a bunch. Um, I don't know, it was just, it was a good musical experience for Mm -hmm. me, just to get more familiar with it, but I think a lot of times just having something on, whether you're driving, whether you're reading, whether you're getting in the shower, whether it's before you go to work, after you go to work, whether you're coming back from school... Just to experience yourself to something new or something you're not that familiar with, you know, it's a good thing to do, and why not? Yeah. Anytime, um, and this, I don't, I didn't say it, I don't believe, but this is all from Spotify, but if you had another way to listen to it, go for it. Spotify, I think, is the easy way to do it, and... Yeah. and if you're spe- a student, it's got that premium deal, yeah. it comes with Hulu now. Fantastic. <laughs> well, and I didn't sign up for that because I connected my Spotify to my playlist, which is before I had a student email, and I found out a few months ago I've been paying full price for Spotify. <laughs> Whoops. What and if chunk. I switched it now, I would lose all of my playlists and saved albums and everything. That's, so I can't that's change the email address on it. Oh well. Okay. Look, Spotify is already basically stealing from all your favorite artists, so I might as well pay a little bit more and feel better about stealing from them. Uh, okay. I guess that's true. <laughs> I'll take my free Hulu. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's just why I, no I buy shame. full albums and then have no shame about borrowing. Yeah, there you go. Somebody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, see. If I really like it, I'll buy the whole album. Yeah, I told myself yeah. that, but it's been a while. Yeah. There are some artists that I buy their album as soon as it comes out. Um, like Maroon Five. That's not it for me. <laughs> also, <laughs> just you. just so we know. Because he thought about sticking moves like Jagger on the end of yeah, either episode. the last episode or the one before it, but the Isotopia one. <laughs> yeah, he was thinking about that, and so Adam and I are now the antithesis of each other. Or right. together would make a synthesis of a full discography. Yeah, <laughs> because the one song that Seth doesn't own by Rune Five is Moves Like Jagger, and the one song that I own is Moves Like Jagger. <laughs> So. Which, you know, is funny because it comes from, apparently, the album that I have, and I have the deluxe edition of it, uh-huh. and so I think it was just released afterwards, and they, like, stuck it on there oh. so that it's a part of it, yeah. but I'm just lucky that iTunes didn't, like, hey, you're missing this one, you bud. this one. You yeah. <laughs> Don't you want a whole set? I should, I should download it just to delete it. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, petty. But yeah, my recommendation is get Spotify, listen to a bunch of new music. They've got a really good uh, classical music selection on there. I've been using that for a while. Kind of opened the doors for me to listen to a lot more classical music. So I concur. For sure. Uh, my recommendations this week. I've got a couple. I hope that's not an issue for you guys, but I'll make it quick. 
I guess that's okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I mean, the what, first, how long is this now? Like three hours? No, not nearly. <laughs> the you first, say not nearly, but it's closer <laughs> to three than it should be. <laughs> well, a smidge. If we were rounding up. <laughs> um, my first one is Musica Ricarata by Giorgi Ligeti. Giorgi Ligeti? He's Hungarian. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to insult the man, <laughs> but I also so you not could have just left out better. the first name, but you already committed. We're gonna type his name out and put a link on it. <laughs> oh, Wikipedia won't let me listen to it. It's a shame. Music of Ricarata by Ligeti. Uh, it is a piano series, like a piano work. It's eleven individual pieces. They just go back to back. The interesting about each of them is that each of them uses a pitch class set. But each piece in this, uh, each individual song in this piece is that each one increases the pitch class by one tone. Oh, that's cool. So the first movement has just the pitch class A and D. And the second pitch class has pitches E sharp, F sharp, and G. And so... By the time you get to the 11th movement, you have a pitch class set of all 12 pitches. And also the way that he orders them is A-sharp, B, no, A-sharp, B, C, D-sharp, like chromatic, sequential, which is interesting. So I really enjoyed listening to it. It's a piano piece, a lot of different varying styles and sounds on it, but I really, really enjoyed it. So give that a listen for your classical 20th century music there. Does does he go into more of a jazz style at any point or you said different Uh, styles so i was just curious not that i have noticed but it doesn't stay like strictly i mean obviously it's 20th century Mm -hmm. it's not it's not atonal and it's not in a classical style so it's accessible yeah i guess yeah uh there's some in the middle seven and eight are very accessible um yeah, you got to keep the listener interested. Yeah, six, seven, and eight are pretty accessible. So if you just wanted a little taste, I'd start there. Uh, this the first one, since it only has two pitches, <laughs> um, he actually just kind of hangs out on D for most of it and just plays a D. Nope, sorry, I got it backwards. He plays an A just like over and over again on different rhythms, which is really cool because he actually makes it sound like like not real music, but it sounds very <laughs> melodic, like. Yeah. It has a very good cadence to it, just by changing the rhythm of it, and then he goes to A right at the end, which sounds like a resolution by the time he gets there. Cool. And also, it helps him continue the series as he goes through the piece. Um, so, like that one's not very accessible because it's a two-minute piece that hangs out on one note. <laughs> but because he builds on it each time, like they get a little more complex as he goes on. It's really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. The other one is that Seth convinced me to watch Donnie Darko for the first time, uh, which is a really great movie, creepy movie from 2001. I liked it a lot. Um, So, quick mini recommendation, Donnie Darko. Check it out. But in Donnie Darko, there are, it's got some good music in it. One of them is uh, Tears for Fear songs, uh, Head Over Heels, which plays during a montage close to the beginning of the movie, and the movie ends with the cover of another Tears for Fear song. And it made me realize that I like a lot of Tears for Fear songs, but I've never actually listened to an album by them. So the other music... Aren't they Seeds of Love? Maybe. Figure it out. That sounds familiar. I only listened to one album. So Seeds far. of Love is like one of my favorite songs. I'm pretty sure that's 
Yes. Okay. Sowing the seeds of love. Oh, gotcha. Uh, well, this week I recommend Songs from the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. I think it's their second full album from 1985. It's got such classic as Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Shout, Head Over Heels. Um, the whole thing is pretty good, though. I highly recommend it. There's some songs on there I hadn't heard before that I really, really enjoyed. I like them more than I thought I did, and I'm going to have to go find some more albums. But So that's my three. Um, Musica Ricarada by Ligeti, Donnie Darko, the movie, and Songs in the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. Awesome. There you go. All right, well, before we wrap it up... Um, if you before any... we wrap it up, what else could there be? <laughs> well, you were going to say, thanks for listening, and then a wink. But before we do that... Okay, all right. I was going to say, if you have any ideas that you think would be oh, yeah. make for a good musical conversation, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we will either post something about it on the page so that the rest of the music community can comment on it, or we'll use it for inspiration in an episode. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I'd really love to talk about what you guys are interested in because eventually we're going to run out of things that we're interested in and we just want to serve you guys. Nope, not true. We want to have a good time. But <laughs> if we can serve you while we're doing it, that's what we'll do. Why are you looking at me that way? You're the sign off oh, guy! You're the sign off. Amy just weirdly lifted up your phone and was like, anyway. That's our podcast for this week. We had a really good time making it. Hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing this one, actually. I'm surprised. You mean as opposed to the other ones? <laughs> no, I have fun. I, I finally have... want to stick around. <laughs> Four in, we're settled. No, I have fun with it all the time. It's more this one, I mean, and it may be broken up after it's all said and done, but we got to be at, at, at an hour and a half. Not that far or past that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys came over at 7.30 and you definitely, we definitely did. I was did. late. Yeah, but we didn't wait until like 8.30 to start. Yeah, I just feel like we've had a lot to say in this episode. Especially when our conversations before we recorded were like, eh, I don't know, I just have this one little thing to talk yeah. about. <laughs> I said this is going to be a shorter episode and then everything we talked about we Sorry, I, I was trying to like just say something, get a little more philosophical. All right, thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Wink.